Vasudevasutam devam Tansujanuramardanam Devaki paramarandam Krishnam vannev jagatguram Hi and welcome to season 4 of Gita Girl. Woot woot! My name is Sharmila and I have Shayla with me too. And the Gita Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be your best self by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. Welcome back, everyone, to season four. We're so thrilled that you all have hung on with us and made it this far, and we're really excited about this new season. Sharmila, we'll let you know what it's about. This season is about one of the biggest concepts in Hinduism, and that is of dharma. The most basic translation of dharma is duty or righteousness. But the accurate meaning of dharma is much deeper than this. When I say dharma, it doesn't sound like a very sexy subject. It's like, (laughs) oh my God. But actually, it's a very complex, beautiful and intriguing subject. Dharma is doing the right thing and fulfilling your responsibility in any given situation. And your dharma, that responsibility, varies from person to person, situation to situation. Your dharma, duty, responsibility, the right thing to do, changes as you change, as your status changes, as your age changes. For example, your dharma, the right thing to do when you were one, is very different from your dharma at 10. Very different, again, from your dharma at 20, and very different at 40, and so on. I'll give you the most basic example. When you are one, let's say your exercise dharma is to basically try and walk. That's pretty much... That's it. That's Only it. goal. Yeah. Your dharma exercise-wise is to try and get on your own two feet. That's it. At 10, it may be, hey, let's play some sports. At 10 years old, you should not be hitting the gym. Yeah. No pull-ups or... 100 sit-ups for you yet. Exactly. At 20, your exercise dharma is let's go to the gym, let's work out, let's do some hardcore sports. You cannot do this at one years old, you know? That's right. And let's talk about 50, which is my age now. (laughs) And mine. Um, I do go to the gym, but it's certainly not to the level of what I was capable of 10 years ago or 20 years ago, certainly not 30 years ago. And then that changes over time in terms of not only what you're capable of, but what is good for your health. Your dharma at 80 is not to bench press as much as like, I don't know what people bench press, 100 pounds, 200 pounds. I have no idea. You do that at 80, your bones will crack under you, right? Yes. So your dharma changes. And we've given you a very simple example, which is exercise. Your dharma changes as you change, as you evolve, Your relationships change, your relationship to the world changes, and therefore the right action in any given situation changes for you. And your dharma also changes given your chosen path in life and your education, your skill set, your capabilities. For example, the dharma of a surgeon is to operate. If I or Shayla, Shayla is a doctor, but she's no surgeon. (laughs) And not a medical doctor. (laughs) And if I or Shayla were to operate on someone, it would straight up land us in jail. Oh, yes. So your dharma depends on your age, 
your education and capabilities, your location and the laws of the country. It depends on the people involved in the situation and your relationship to them. How you behave with your parent and your dharma with your parent is very different to your dharma with your siblings and still different to your dharma with your children. It also depends on the temperament of the person you are dealing with. Yes, Lord Krishna does talk about the temperament of the people you are dealing with and how they will receive your actions. And this adds yet another layer of complexity to your dharma. And we're going to talk about all these different roles and your dharma in any given situation in this entire season of Gita Girl. I just want to mention here that Mohit, my son, who's 25, millennial, when I was talking to him about the season of Gita Girl, I said to him, you know, it's about dharma. He said to me, wow, your generation loves talking about duty. Your generation's <laughs> all about it. And I said, we're obsessed with doing our duty. Yeah, that's right. I think that we are. And I think also maybe as women, we're obsessed with duty and all these rules and regulations that are put on us, or we interpret all those rules and regulations as our duty, I should say. I think we'll later learn that's not necessarily what our dharma is. It's not just women, I think, as Indians, maybe. Yeah, there's a cultural component to that, right? Your duty and to your elders, your duty to your parents, your duty to your children. There's a lot of cultural rules about what that should look like and what that should be. He's not totally wrong. Yeah, I think Mohit is hitting the nail on the head. And also, I don't think it's just women. My husband and my brothers are some of the most dutiful people I've ever met in my life. They have that familial duty. They wear that very seriously. I think we are all obsessed with our duty because we have been programmed to think that we actually must throw ourselves under the bus and sacrifice ourselves in the name of our duty. Absolutely. And I think that we make the mistake of thinking that all of these external factors are the ones that define what our duty is, that friends define your duty, or your culture defines your duty, or your religion defines your duty. and Or societal, or pressure societal pressures absolutely tell you what it is you're supposed to do, what your role is supposed to be, how you're supposed to behave. And I think we get really caught up in that. And it's really hard to know. It's really hard to know what your duty is. That's so true. But we also have a strong duty to ourselves that our parents conveniently forgot to tell us about. Okay. <laughs> they just muttered that part. <laughs> We're just like, no, not reading that section. Skip over that bit, darling. But we have a strong duty to ourselves. Lord Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that we also have a strong duty to our mental and physical health and well-being. So this whole notion of throwing ourselves under the bus, sacrificing ourselves, quite frankly, is really exaggerated because in the Gita, he talks a lot about balance and actions that are done with an object of hurting others or hurting ourselves, even in the name of discipline, is actually tamsic. It's toxic. 
I think it's really important to talk about this because it's such a wonderful concept. We always think of our duty in relation to people outside of us. And we rarely think of what is good for myself. And sometimes you feel selfish thinking, what is good for myself? I think the martyr complex is something that's very real. You get applauded for neglecting yourself. That's considered something positive that you give, give, give of yourself to other people, do your duty by them and neglect yourself. But it's great that written this book is this real acknowledgement that it is critical and important that you take care of yourself. It's that same sort of airplane rule, like don't put the oxygen mask on someone else until you put it on yourself and then you take care of everybody else. You have a duty to yourself. Absolutely. And Lord Krishna talks about that. He says, without maintaining your mind and your body, you cannot perform your dharma. So there is a definite balancing act. We're not talking about being selfish and being self-involved here. We're talking about maintaining boundaries so that you can do your dharma. Right. Keeping yourself healthy so that you can do your dharma, both mentally, physically, emotionally. Correct. And that may be different for different people. That's right. Basically, your dharma is unique to you and only you. In the Bhagavad Gita, it's called Sva Dharma, my dharma. What am I supposed to do here? What is the right thing to do? This is where the concept of dharma becomes very challenging. There's oftentimes a fork in the road and you're not sure what choice is better. It's not always so black and white. This is where it becomes a challenge for me, trying to figure out what is my duty in any given time as a parent, as a coworker, as a partner, as a friend, as a citizen, what exactly is the thing that I'm supposed to do? And I don't know that it's always so clear. More often than not, it is not clear. What am I supposed to do here? What is the right thing to do? Literally, the whole Bhagavad Gita is actually a discourse on that very question. The first word of the Bhagavad Gita, the first word of the entire book is Dharma. And the last word of the entire book is Mama. Mama means mine. Hmm. So the whole entire book is encapsulated between these two words, Dharma, Mama, my Dharma. What the F am I supposed to do? That is exactly what Arjun was saying on that field. What yeah. the <laughs> F am I supposed to do? Do I kill my cousins? Exactly. Seems kind of bad. Exactly. I, yeah. It's not easy to figure out what our duty is. So the whole Bhagavad Gita, like I said, is a discussion of what to do and how to go about doing it. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna froze time. He was like, okay, this is a great question. We're going to pause right here. Oh, I want and that trick. Yeah. Lord Krishna froze time so he could guide Arjun out of his confusion and dilemma and panic. What Arjun was going through, that panic attack, there's a whole chapter that describes it in the beginning of the Gita, chapter one. The name of the chapter is called the despondency of Arjun, okay? And while it's unlikely that Lord Krishna will freeze time for us, 
We can slow down and figure out our next move with clarity and intelligence using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita rather than knee-jerk reacting unconsciously, which is what we all do. We can pause as much as we can in any situation and think, what am I going to do here? Right. We do have more of a luxury of decision-making than sometimes we give the opportunity credit for. Correct. You know? I agree with that. If we just say, wait, I do not have to react right now. That's right. Give myself some space. And that gives us time to handle the situation. Most situations require some careful thought before proceeding with action. And we don't give ourselves the time to think. We talked in our last episode about the importance of meditation and the importance of it clearing your mind so you can make thoughtful, informed decisions. And I think part of the practice is knowing exactly how to pause and allowing yourself to take that time to be able to make an informed, thoughtful and intentional decision. That's a great point. Thank you for that plug for episode 15. So I just want to add here one point. Um, I want everyone to understand that Arjun was superhuman. He was half God and half man. And he had also been preparing and training for this moment, the battle he was facing. As you said, Shayla, facing his cousins. Do I kill them? Do I not kill them? I have to kill them because they're all murderers and rapists and thieves and I'm the righteous one, but yet they're my cousins. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? What am I supposed to be doing here? He had been preparing and training for this for his entire life. And yet when he faced the task, he had a nervous breakdown. You so, still did, despite all that training. Correct. That makes me feel better. Right, exactly. That's the point. The point is, if this superhuman, half-god, demigod, super intelligent, super trained warrior. If he feels confused, depressed, anxious, despondent, overwhelmed at the task facing him and has no clue as to what his dharma is, then how can we fault ourselves for feeling the same way? And for me, that happens to me multiple times a day. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> so the first point is svadharma, my dharma is unique to me. Number two is, I'm confused. Let's not go into self-loathing and self-hatred of why am I confused? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm such an idiot. No. Arjun was a demigod. He faced the same thing. We all go through this. The self-loathing doesn't help you. Okay? It doesn't. And we've talked about this before. One of the things that the Gita teaches us, of course, is always kindness. And it's not just kindness to others, it's kindness to yourself and grace with yourself. Because we're all so complex. And there's so many different things that impact our decision making. And you just make the best decision with the information you have. And you just be kind to yourself and allow the consequences to happen. Beautifully said, Shayla. Once you have made the best decision with clarity, with intelligence, using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita, figuring out what your dharma is, what your responsibility is in that moment, it's do your best, leave the rest in essence, right? Like you've done your best, you've left the rest. That's right. So the first two points, like I said, number one, svat dharma. Number two, no self-loathing for yourself. And number three, 
non-judgment not only for yourself, but non-judgment for other people. Everyone's dharma is unique to them. It is the right thing to do given the container of the circumstances of one's life in that particular moment. And only the person who is doing it, only the actor, only the person who's doing that action knows what that entire situation contains. I don't know. You don't know. Only they know. The same way that we don't want to feel judged by the decisions that we've made when we think we've made an informed decision, it's in that same vein. We can't expect to know all the factors that went into someone else's decision making as well. Just let people do their thing. I don't know if it's increased social media or more reality TV, but I feel like our threshold for judgment has just gone through the roof. I I just feel like all we do all day is judge people. All we do all day is try to avoid judgment from others, you know, and I think this is a common thing that we see on social media. I mean, the amount of opinions for every single person's decision is just staggering. And the fact that people think that they can comment on your choice to like breastfeed or not breastfeed or work from home or not work from home. Anything, everything is open for somebody's judgment. The culture of judgment seems to be ever expanding and it's hard to shut that noise out, but I think it's important that we do by not participating in that. There's a verse about that. Well, not about social media, but the, <laughs> no the essence of it. Back in Christian yeah, he's not, day. Krishna's not talking about Twitter, but he does say in chapter three, verse 35, Do your own duty, stick to your lane. And he says, the duty of another is fraught with fear. So what he's basically saying is that if you are going to judge other people or do other people's duty or get involved with their duty, you are stepping into unknown territory, my friend. You are stepping on landmines. And you are going to make mistakes, whether you're judging them, whether you're getting involved with their duty, whether you're enabling them to not do their own duty because you are taking over theirs. Just stay in your own lane and do what you're supposed to do. And the more time you spend focusing on other people's duty, whether it's in judgment or taking over their responsibilities, A, you are enabling them not to do their own karma. So you're taking on that burden that they are now not fulfilling what they're supposed to fulfill. And B, you're neglecting your own duty. Your own duty is a lifetime's worth. You do not have time and energy to do the duty of another. Oh, that's absolutely true. So in the Bhagavad Gita, there is no mention of any name of any religion. There's no mention of any color or race, or socioeconomic status, all Lord Krishna talks about is dharma, following your dharma, which is the right thing to do, versus a dharma. There's a letter A in front of the word dharma. A means against. So it's dharma versus a dharma, against dharma, the opposite of dharma, which basically means that not right thing to do. So there's two parts, the right thing to do, or the not right thing to do. And doing the right thing, fulfilling your dharma, leads to positive karmic consequences. 
And the opposite is also true. Doing the not right thing and not fulfilling your dharma leads to negative karmic consequences. And I just want to say that we're not talking about fulfilling your dharma in terms of the result and how it ended up. He talks about fulfilling your dharma in terms of did you do the right thing in terms of fulfilling your responsibility, period. Not in terms of the end result. It's much more effort-focused, intention-focused, action-focused, and nothing to do with the results. It's good to remind ourselves of that because, as we've talked about before, you don't always have control over the outcome. There's a lot of variables that impact the outcome, let's say, of a work project. Like you can do your duty and your responsibility. And if somebody who is working with you doesn't, that's going to impact the outcome. So you're not going to be judged by the outcome. And you shouldn't judge yourself by the outcome. You should try to concern yourself as little as possible with the outcome, which as I'm saying it, I'm acknowledging that it's very difficult to do because we are such an outcome-oriented culture and we get rewarded for outcomes, obviously. But the only thing you have control over is your action and you have to figure out what is that right action? What is my responsibility in this situation? And in the Bhagavad Gita, doing your dharma, fulfilling your responsibility in the right way is actually a spiritual endeavor. It's a way to empower yourself, elevate yourself, connect with God. It's a form of worship. It's actually a form of prayer to God. It's a way to move forward in our spiritual journey by fulfilling our daily responsibilities, according to Lord Krishna. Can you give us some examples of what our dharma is like? in a day? What are some examples of what one's duties would be? That's a great question. I'll give you an example. The other day, me and my friend, Kiran, we were walking on the street and we see somebody getting out of a car, clearly in pain. Her foot was bandaged and this poor woman was wincing. So I went up to her and I said, excuse me, can we help you? She goes, You know, I think I broke my foot, but I need to get to the doctor that's in this building. She literally put one arm over my shoulder, one arm over Kieran's, and she hobbled and used us to get into the building. So get into the building, there's security there. There's a big building with a big lobby, and the security said, where are you going? She goes, I'm going to the doctor, it's 11th floor. And the security officer said to us, are you going with her? I said, no, we're not. We just met her on the street. And the security guard said, well, I don't know if I can let you in. I said, honestly, I don't know if she can make it across the lobby to the elevator. Now, at this point, the security officer started getting agitated and said in quite a heated voice, I don't know if I can let you in. I have a job to do. There's a reason why there's security in this building, sort of giving me a hard time to enter the building with this lady whose foot was broken. And I could have easily raised the temperature of that conversation. And I could have said, hey, I'm trying to help here. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. You could have made a very different choice in your tone with him and your attitude towards him. 
a million percent. I consciously chose not to be rude to the security officer. I said, we're helping her. What would you like us to do? Should we walk to the elevator or would you like to do it? I was very polite. And the security officer said to me, you know what, take it, but don't get into the elevator. So that's what I mean, doing your dharma, even within shiva, even within helping somebody, there was a way to go about it. And I'm very proud of myself for handling it, doing my duty in still a dutiful way rather than in an entitled, I'm better than you, do you not see what I'm trying to do kind of way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? Because like, if you correct. had gotten into that verbal altercation, which sometimes very tempting, it would have yeah. impacted your ability to care for this person. So to me, that was me and Kiran doing our dharma. As able-bodied humans, seeing somebody in pain, don't have any expectations, will probably never see her again in my life, but I did it because it was my duty. I really love that example for so many reasons, but one is that obviously you recognized your duty as helping someone in need and you had the ability to help them. So you did. And I think if everybody did their duty, did their dharma and they focused on what their own individual responsibility was to make the better choice each time you were faced with the decision. I just think it would be revolutionary. And I think in this example, your duty was fairly clear, but sometimes decisions are not so clear and it's hard to know what the right thing is to do. And not only that, sometimes you have competing priorities and competing responsibilities. Mm -hmm. We have all had to make choices between two priorities that we felt were equally important. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also some of the challenges of doing your dharma. And we'll be talking in some upcoming episodes about difficult situations and what's the right thing to do in situations where there's not a very clear right path to take. I just want to add this one point. Most people view doing your duty as a buzzkill, an obligation, something that's like, oh, like who wants to do that? Such a drag, you know? But doing your duty is actually one of the most liberating concepts and frees us from a lot of baggage. I'll give you an example. My husband, Sunil, he has found the concept of doing your duty to give him a lot of peace in challenging circumstances. The other day, I asked him, I said, how does this one issue not bother you? He said to me, I've done my duty. There is nothing more I can do. And he literally turned over and went to bed. (laughs) (laughs) It's like nothing to ruminate. I truly, genuinely did the best that I could. And that's it. So he moved on and he turned over and was snoring within 30 seconds rather than me who stayed up for another hour ruminating on the situation and the issue not going the way I thought it should have and people not behaving the way, you know, the whole blah, 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 rumination. But my husband Sunil's focus was on himself, his behavior, fulfilling his responsibility, And quite frankly, he's a lot calmer and focused than I am. That's true, because you're worried about what everybody else did. And again, we all do that. You have no control. And their dharma. You have no control over it. Right. You don't know why they did what they did, but you're creating all these, you know, scenarios and stories. Exactly. It doesn't end up being productive. So my point is, doing your duty, fulfilling your dharma is actually a very liberating concept. You've done your duty You've done your responsibility and there's nothing more that's asked of you.
the end. What would Sunil do? <laughs> oh, Lordy. No way. <laughs> Lord Krishna says again and again in the Bhagavad Gita, let's pause, let's take a second, and let's think WWKD. What would Lord Krishna do? So thank you for listening to our very first episode of this season. And we look forward to four more on different aspects of Dharma. What is your duty as a parent? What is your duty as a child? What is your duty in difficult situations? We'll be talking about examples that all of us can relate to. And also, Shayla, what's your duty with challenging people? Dealing with difficult people. I know that person that you're thinking about popped into your mind right now. We'll be talking about that person and what's your duty when it comes to dealing with that individual or individuals. And as you all know, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at Geetha Girl Podcast. You can email us at Sharmila at GeethaGirl.com. We have a new email address. So take note of it, Sharmila at GeethaGirl.com. So definitely email us with your questions and ideas for future episodes episodes or just to say hi and check us out on all the socials jesse we'll krishna next time jesse krishna vasudeva sutam devam tansu janura mardanam devaki paramanandam krishnam vannev jagat guram